Thank you everyone for joining us this morning and uh, happy, happy Gregorian New Year. Uh, my name is Michael Fraud. I'm the Assistant Program Director here at Trisha. Uh, very excited to be welcoming folks to our first year of 2021. Uh, the blessing of 2021, should one say a bracha when receiving the COVID vaccine with uh, Rabbi Dr. Shlomo Zukier. Rabbi Zagir is our uh, Director of Education at Drisha, as well as a postdoctoral fellow in Jewish studies at McGill University. He received his PhD in Ancient Judaism at Yale University uh, and his smicha at YU, where he was also a member of the Kol Elyon. Uh, we are very excited to be starting off the year with this year. Hopefully it is a, uh, a sign of, of good things and, and many vaccines to come. Uh, so without further ado, uh, Rabbi Zakir, uh, feel free to get us started. Okay, thank you very much, Michael. And uh, uh, as, as Michael said, you know, it's the first year of the year, I'm guessing for most of the people on this, uh, on this Zoom, uh, certainly for me. And uh, hopefully, uh, as, as the title implies, this will be uh, a, a calendar year full of, uh, full of blessing. We have a lot, a lot to, uh, a lot a lot to improve upon from last year. So uh, the, the thought was to begin uh, to begin the year with uh, with a blessing, both in uh, in the sense that any time we learn is is a bracha, but more specifically to think about uh, a bracha, think about what bracha, uh, if any, one should say on receiving the COVID vaccine. And obviously, the uh, the last few weeks have at least uh, presaged have indicated what hopefully are our, our uh, healthier. A safer future will look like as as we've seen the beginning of the rollout of the of the COVID vaccine, and uh, you know this it's an important question as uh, you know for for if you want to understand how does one respond religiously to uh, to different different news good news bad news we've seen a lot and I've given a handful of shirim over responses to the challenging parts of COVID and we've seen that uh, in different different ways over the last almost ten months now, but. Um, you know, I think this is uh, hopefully a chance to talk about some of the positive aspects, a, a turning point, an inflection point where things look like they're getting better. How does one respond to that? What's what religious, uh, what religious uh, structures are there uh, for bringing God into that equation? And um, so we're gonna, uh, uh, you know, we're gonna go through a bunch of sources on this. There's been a, a handful of discussions among different uh, different uh, rabbinic authorities over the last. A month or so. There's not really much earlier, which is interesting, and we'll see that's discussed in terms of vaccines and uh, and bracha. So it's a relatively new discussion. There's not much direct precedent, although of course there are related precedents. So we're going to be looking at sources both classical and extremely recent, um, and uh, we'll do that by sharing screen. Um, so everyone, uh, I'll, I'll do that now. Hopefully everyone's able to follow one way or the other. And as Michael said, you have the handout linked as well. So if you prefer opening it yourself. To having the shared screen, that is also an option. Um, okay, so hopefully everyone sees uh, what we have. So before we get to the, the specific question about whether one says a bracha or not, it's probably good to talk about uh, getting the vaccine itself uh, in, in, in itself. And uh, as, as both the, the mitzvah, the obligation uh, to get vaccinated and some, a quick thought on, on the theological broader import of that. Um, so we're not gonna get into the whole topic itself. There are, uh, you know, there's been a lot of people who have said a lot of things about this, but I think the most straightforward view, um, if you accept, uh, you know, uh, baseline science as, as uh, all non-quack doctors seem to do. So it's, it would seem to be that uh, the vaccine has the capacity to save many lives and a minimal a minimal risk. I mean, you never know for sure because you know we've only had we only had experience with it for ten months or so. But it seems like, by all accounts, uh, what we have seen that the the side effects are, are are minor and limited, and therefore the and the potential upside is obviously huge. So, what does one do in such a case, right? What's the what's the Jewish view of a scenario where there's something with minimal uh, minimal, if any, side effects and a major uh, major upside, and I think the answer to that is fairly clear. So, source number one: this is the Sefer Achinuch about the mitzvah of Makan, the mitzvah of building a uh, parapet, a little fence around one's uh, one's roof, so that people don't fall off. And he understands this mitzvah broadly. He says the mitzvah is 
The mitzvah is to remove any stumbling blocks and uh, negev. Negev is uh, a plague and remove all plagues from all of our dwelling places. That's why, that's why we have the verse, you should make a, uh, make a little fence for your roof in order to remove the danger of people falling off and, and getting hurt. Gagos gets into the details of the, the building the wall. Um, but uh, his point is, his point is it's broader than that. It's not just, it's not just the mitzvah of building a wall. It's really preventing any sort of, any sort of michshol or negev, any sort of uh, stumbling block or disease. That is a mitzvah, I say that's a positive commandment. That seems to be what the chinuch says. Um, and if one accepts that, that would mean that getting vaccinated, assuming again that it's safe, and obviously the one's doctor clears them specifically and there's no specific complications, but given the circumstances that it can save many lives, both one's own life and that of others, uh, and, and that there's no major downside, it would seem to be that there is a positive uh, mitzvah, a commandment uh, to do that. Uh, of of uh, even though right uh, there's there's a, a separate mitzvah of saving lives of pikuach nefesh for someone who's already sick. This is a case where someone's not sick yet. You're getting vaccinated before you're sick. There still is a mitzvah, uh, a different mitzvah, a mitzvah of preventing uh, danger. That would seem to apply. Um, and the Shulchan Aruch cites this as well uh, when he 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 says similarly mitzvah say lasos adam A person has a positive commandment to make a, a fence around the roof. Finally gets into some of the details, but then he says, uh, echoing what we saw in the Chinuch, any case, not just the roof, any case where there's danger that someone might fall and die. Uh, if you have a pit, you need to build this wall uh, or a cover. It would apply to swimming pools, presumably also that there's a mitzvah, a positive commitment to put a fence around your swimming pool, I guess when it's not in use. Um, so this is all, that's all relevant to the specific mitzvah. But then he says, any stumbling block of any sort where there's danger to life, it's a positive commandment to remove it, to watch out for it, to be extremely careful. There's a different, different Pasuk building on this idea. If you don't remove these dangers and you leave these uh, possible risk factors in place, you've, you've canceled, you've, you've uh, missed your chance to fulfill this positive commandment of building a mak, of building a, or maybe hisham not exactly clear which mitzvah, either way. Um, the other below sasim damim, right, and you violated the, the, the end of this pasuk, right, build, the verse says, build a fence. And don't leave blood in your house, meaning don't leave risk of people dying in your house. You would violate that. Um, and uh, now just for emphasis, the Shulchan Aruch says, Anyone who violates these things are similar. I'm just endangering myself. It doesn't even affect other people. I'm not worried about the dangers. The person actually, ironically, they're not concerned about their health. And well-being, the punishment for this is the court uh, gives him lashes to enforce his uh, his uh, taking these precautions. Uh, that that's not practiced nowadays, but at least in theory. Obviously, someone who keeps these things gets a blessing. And of course, a vaccine is not just a risk to oneself if one doesn't take it. It's also endangering other people. So it seems pretty clear that there is an obligation both uh, because of uh, both because of the danger to oneself and this mitzvah of maka and the danger to others, which, you know, people have no right to endanger others. So if you're going outside, um, you have no, uh, you know, you have no, uh, and, and the, you know, vaccines available and safe as it is, uh, safe that is, available not yet for many people, um, there would be an obligation to do it. Rav Willig said as much, Rav Mordechai Willig of Wayu gave a shear uh, or uh, a week or two ago and said this very explicitly, he says, like the Achiev Doraisa, biblical obligation to take the vaccine based on the safer Chinuch on market. So let's put that aside. We're not going to focus on that, but it's just good to have uh, principles down that, uh, you know, this, uh, what, this blessing we're talking about is not only a blessing, but also appears to be an obligation. Um, and uh, a theological perspective from Rabbi Joseph B. Soloveitchik, the Rav, um, in terms of the thought, the, the idea here that, you know, you might think, well, why am I saying, a, why, am I, why am I blessing God? Why am I saying a bracha, potentially, as we're going to talk about? What happened here is a, an accomplishment of humanity. It's not, it's not, God didn't do anything, one might argue. 
it was the doctors, it was the scientists who developed the vaccine in record time and tested it and rolled it out. And uh, so what, why, what, what does God have to do with it? Why should there be a bracha? So I think this perspective from Rabbi Soloveitchik uh, in The Lonely Man of Faith about the role of uh, Adam the first, he had two different perspectives on Adam that are reflected in the Torah. Um, the idea of, of Adam as, as conquering, uh, conquering the world by, uh, by uh, you know, uh, promoting science and, and applying it would fit with this idea. So let's read a couple of quotes from the Lonely Man of Faith. Man of old who could not fight disease and succumbed in multitudes to yellow fever or any other plague could not lay claim to dignity. Only the man who builds hospitals, discovers therapeutic techniques and saves lives is blessed with dignity. And this is part of the charge. We are created, uh, of course, uh, Adam Arishon, Adam is created in God's image with this charge, among others, this charge of conquering, uh, conquering the world and mastering science and using it to overcome these diseases. This is, it's not just something that people do, it's things people do as a part of their charge, of their divinely imbued uh, charge and, and very nature. And continuing to the next uh, quote, in doing all this, Adam the first is trying to carry out the mandate entrusted to him by his maker, who at the dawn of the sixth mysterious day of creation addressed himself to man, summoned him to fill the earth and subdue it, um, right? Conquer or subdue the world. It's God who decreed that the story of Adam the first be the great saga of freedom of manslave who gradually transforms himself into man master, meaning instead of being a slave to nature, uh, uh, humanity should become master over nature. While pursuing this goal, Drew and Mayan urged that which he cannot but obey, Adam the first transcends the limits of the reasonable and probable and ventures into the open spaces of a boundless universe, right? This untapped potential, boundless potential that I think we've seen here. And as people have, have mentioned, this is by far the fastest, uh, the fastest vaccine turnaround. There's something to appreciate here, uh, not only about humanity, but of course, the cause of that humanity, the creator of that humanity. Even this longing for vastness, no matter how adventurous and fantastic is legitimate. Man reaching for the distant stars is acting in harmony with his nature, which was created, willed, and directed by his maker. This, these words were written in the 60s. So the, the space race was at the forefront of everyone's minds. Worth, worth keeping that uh, in mind. It's a manifestation of obedience to, rather than rebellion against God. Thus, in sum, we have obtained the following triple equation. Humanity equals dignity equals responsibility equals majesty. All right, so this is human majesty, human greatness, echoing the divine greatness. As humans are in the divine image, this is... Uh, the, both the dignity of conquering science and the responsibility of conquering science. And that this is part of our humanity, that our divinely uh, granted humanity. So I think that's a helpful theological perspective um, as, we, as we think about the more specific uh, and maybe even technical issues of what bracha one is to say. It's of course important to keep in mind both that it's uh, important to get the vaccine, of course, and that uh, and that it's important to see God as tied in with that. So I think this, before we get into the specifics, this point uh, of the, the, the need for appreciation is made nicely by uh, Ben Greenfield, uh, an article in, in JTA, they reached out to a few rabbis for perspectives on a bracha or blessing on the COVID vaccine. We're not gonna look at most of them because they're not, they don't, uh, they, they sort of are more general, but this is one, one general point that's helpful. Um, one must offer words of praise and blessing to Hashem upon the amazing event of receiving this vaccine. That is clear. There's no question about that, says Ray Greenfield. The question is, if one should do so using one of the official canonical brachot of our tradition, which would entail uttering God's sacred name. So I think this is the framing for the rest of our discussion. It's clear that one should see in this vaccine, obviously one should appreciate what, what the, you know, the doctors and scientists did as well, but, um, but one, one should attribute that to God. I think that would be the, the standard traditional Jewish view. The question though is, and we're gonna get into the details of this, um, whether one does so saying a bracha b'shem umachos, whether one accomplishes this by saying a, a blessing with God's, uh, with, with God's name, which generally we only do uh, with good cause, and we don't just throw that around. We don't uh, say God's name in vain. There may be uh, some idea about that and maybe the Ten Commandments or something. Um, so, uh, so that's going to be our question. Should there be a bracha? And if so, which bracha? I'm just going to get into some of the details of how the various brachas work. So before we jump into that, uh, just pull back for a second. Any questions, any thoughts, uh, any reflections by anyone here? Or, or are we ready to, uh, to jump into it? Okay, Jason. Um, has anybody addressed um, the fact that most vaccines are going to have like a two-week waiting period? So like you're actually not protected with the first vaccine, right? So, or the first shot, right? So 
should you should you be saying a blessing on the first shot or the second shot? We will get there. That is okay. that is in the discussion. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, also, has anybody said that for say young people? Like, it seems as if we don't really know the long term risks for young people. The um, the risk of dying from COVID, even if you contract it, is extremely low. I think. Right. Hold, for, hold your question. I think your okay. questions will be more relevant to what we get to in a couple minutes. So hold okay. that. I'm sorry. But, uh, great, no, great questions, but um, yeah, we'll get there. Any any other reflections just on what we've seen so far? All right. If not, we'll jump right back in. Um, and the first question to ask is if one's going to bless God, if one's going to make a bracha in a formal sense, which bracha should one make? And we have two, uh, two very good candidates, Sheikh Yanu and Hatov Ametiv. Sheikh Yanu, I'm guessing uh, some of you have heard of, um, right? It's, uh, it's said it at many Jewish holidays and upon a, a, a doing many mitzvos. That's sort of the formalized. There's two versions of Sheikh Yanu. There's some that are like, built into the calendar. And there's also Shekhyanu that one can say upon certain experiences, like, as we'll see. So that one's probably better known. Hatov Ametiv doesn't exist on any fixed calendar. It only exists in, a, in an experiential sense. So it may be less well-known, but either way, let's look into these two brachos and try to figure out what, what's good. Of course, just first talk about the text of it, um, right? Blessed are you, God, master of the world. Shekhyanu v'kiyamanu v'higyanu azmanazeh, who has sustained us and uh, kept us alive and brought us to this time. So sort of the happiness that we've made it to this time, which works well for the calendar, Sheikh Yanus, right? We made it to this time of year, but it also can be on an on a experience where one's very happy or one can say, I'm happy that I reached this experience and, and thank God in that context. So that's Sheikh Yanu and Hatov Hametiv. God, Master of the Universe. Hatov Hametiv, God who is good and who does good. Tov Hametiv. So there's like a, uh, uh, like a two two parties there or two part right God is good and does good. Um, so there's a relational aspect there which will be relevant. Okay, so source number five here, the Gemara in Brachos gives us these basic blessings. It's sort of the basic source: Al Gishamim Valbisoros Tovos on rain or other good tidings. Omer Barachatov Ametiv. You say, "Blessed is the one who is good and who does good," even though it doesn't spell out God's name. That's presumably part of the bracha, like more usually when it says brachos, it doesn't spell it out, presumably for reasons of space. You don't want to waste ink and, uh, and parchment. So you say the bracha of on good tidings or rain. Abesoros raos on bad tidings, omer baruch daina emes. There's still a bracha for that. It's very interesting. We actually saw this, those who were in the series earlier this week on benching, we saw how that, that came up in some of the sources. But there's a bracha, baruch daina emes, blessed is the true judge that one says on bad tidings, such as when a, a relative dies. Bana bayis chadash, if you build a new house, kelim chadashim, you buy, you buy new clothes. Omer, then you say shechianu. So we have two different relevant brachos here. Obviously, uh, bad news is not relevant uh, for, for our discussion, um, but you have two, two, you have good tidings or rain, you say, you say hatov emetiv. You have a new house or you, uh, you get a new house or a new clothes, you say Shekhyanu. So what exactly is the difference here? Um, so the Shulchan Aruch spells out some of the some of these differences. Um, and the main the main sources we're going to see in the Shulchan Aruch are in Orachayim, Reish Kaf Aleph, Reish Kaf Beis, Reish Kaf Gimel. That's where he discusses a lot of these brachos of brachos haudad, these blessings of thanks to God. Um, okay, so let's start here. And as the Gemara said, rain is sort of the classic example. So we're going to talk a little bit about rain. Uh, he, it says, if one was in pain and difficulty because of the drought, uh, right, there's a drought, one's in, in pain, one's in trouble, and then it starts raining. Even though they didn't yet have the sufficient rain, right, sort of the start of the rain. It didn't rain for a while, now it starts, and it hasn't yet, you know, done what it needs to do, but it started. One says a bracha at that point, hold that thought. At what point does one start saying the, the bracha that we're going to say in a second? When the water, there's water on the ground to the point where there are bubbles coming up, right? Air bubbles, right? Because the water sort of traps air and then the air bubbles come up as the water goes down. So the water is starting to enter the ground, bringing up bubbles that approach one to the other. The bubbles approach one another. What does that mean? That means that uh, the water is starting to seep in. So that's when one says the bracha. 
uh, Haggadah Ramah says, he comments, Right, he points out, nowadays, and he, when he says nowadays, he means nowadays in Europe, we don't say this bracha on rain, because in our countries, there's always rain. There's no real droughts. It's not really a major issue. So we'll get to this a bit later. The Ramah in a few places has, has this concern about not making too many brachas, about, you know, holding back. And we'll see how that plays itself out. But hold that thought for now. But getting more to our point, what bracha does one say? If you don't have a field, Omer, you say the following. You don't say a bracha. If you don't own a field personally, you don't say a bracha. We'll get to that later. It needs to directly affect you. But what do you say instead? Thank you, God, for every drop, every drop of rain that you brought down. If our mouths were full of praise, um, and then it sort of says the nishmat, right? Ad. The text from Nishmas about thanking God for all the good things that God does in nature. Right, and at the end, you do say a bracha, uh, God of the of great thanks, um, specifically on rain. This is a special bracha only for rain that doesn't have broader context. This is if you don't own a field. But what if you do own a field? If you own a field, you co-own a field with someone else. Then you say a tov We'll get to that why in a second. If you own a field, but no one else co-owns it with you, and uh, we generally assume that family members count as co-owners. So if you're a single person who owns a field, then So why why is there that difference? We'll get to that in a second. Hagadar Ramah points out right? He says some think that uh, you actually say if You hear that it rains, but that's not the standard view. Um, and then if we move to source seven, the next line in the Shulchan Aruch, Al Shmuel Shein Tovos, Lo Levado, Levarich Shechianu, news that's good just for you, you say Shechianu, but Imheim Tovos, Lo Ula Acherim, but if the news is good not only for you, but for others, Levarich HaTov this seems to be our rule, right? So if you own a field alone by yourself, it's good news for you, it's Shechianu. If you co-own a field, then it's HaTov because it's not just good for you, it's good for others. Why would that be the distinction? So this goes back to the, the, uh, two-party nature of Hatov HaMetev, right? God is not only good, God's self, but God does good to others. So this relational aspect, just like there's a relation between God and the people God does good to, similarly, there's this other factor of the relationship between me, the person who's saying the bracha, benefiting, and someone else benefiting. If it's some, if both I and the other person are benefiting, then that's sort of like Hatov HaMetev. It's, uh, it's good for me and it's good for others, just like God is good and God does good for others. It seems to be that there's like a mirroring there in terms of why this bracha is said in that case. In any event, it would seem like, oh, say, so on this basis, what does everyone think? Assuming one says a bracha on vaccine, we'll talk about whether or not, which bracha would it be? Shechianu or atov v'ametiv? What do people think? Based on our criterion. Atov v'ametiv, maybe, because when I'm getting the vaccine, I'm protecting myself, but I'm also protecting others, like herd immunity kind of logic. Yeah, yeah, so that's a point that many have said uh, and seems pretty convincing. We'll get, we'll get into more detail in a second, but it seems pretty convincing that me, my getting vaccinated is certainly good for me, but it's also good for everyone else. Um, and, you know, that, that's right. As, as Jason said, that's the whole idea of herd immunity, that, that uh, if only I got vaccinated, I'd actually still be at risk. If other people get vaccinated too, that decreases my risk uh, because the spread is limited. Um, fine. So it, seem, it would seem to be based on this standard that a tovamative would be preferable. Um, okay. And I'll... Um, Despite our usual standard here, there is, it is worth noting um, from the next source, source number eight, just we'll just jump to the end. Um, uh, oh, sorry, that's the, the wrong part of the line. Oh, yeah, so we'll start at the beginning. Right, according to the view that you say, uh, there's a view that even when you're supposed to say atov ametiv, if you say shechianu instead, it's not a bracha atal. It's not a wasted bracha. It also counts. Just like saying, I don't know, saying a hadama on a fruit. So you, should, you shouldn't do that ideally, but it's not a bracha atal. It, it, the bracha still works. Right? You're still enjoying. It's not like you're not happy with the news. You are happy. You are happy and benefiting from the news. It's just that other people are also benefiting. So atov ametiv is maybe the preferred bracha. But if you do shechianu, it's actually, it's not a problem. You didn't, you didn't do anything wrong. You just didn't do the maximal, uh, you didn't do the, 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 you know, the most precise bracha. So keep that, that thought in mind. And, um, right, 
Um, right. So, Rav, uh, so Rav Rimon, Rav Yosef to Rimon, we'll get to, he's a contemporary Posik in Israel. Uh, we'll get to a couple more of his thoughts later. He points out that there's another difference between Hatove Ametiv and Shechiano. Hatove Ametiv, you're only supposed to say on things that are directly benefiting you. You don't say it on something that's non-tangible, non-physical. Only You only say on a tangible, physical thing, like, for example, I don't know, uh, uh, rain, or you know, something like that, or, or inheriting something. Um, that's, you know, you, there's like a financial gain. But in our case, uh, you can say even on non-material uh, things. Right, that's just the nature of Shechianu. Shechianu stems more from one's being happy, whereas Hatov Ametiv is it stems from something good happening to you, right? Metiv, God does good, God did good to me, right? Whereas Shechianu is not tied into something good happening, it's just tied into one's own uh, excitement, one's own happiness. So that is another difference. But he says, the vaccine is physical. You know that, right? You they stick something into your arm and then you get uh, antibodies, something physical is going on. So that would seem to not be an issue. And you can say, although there'll be, we'll actually see where Ramon himself has other considerations to maybe shift that. But at least for now, uh, at least for now, um, it seems like would be the bracha to go with if one goes with a bracha. But as we're going to see, there are multiple possible objections that people have raised to the idea of saying a bracha. Again, not the idea of blessing God in general, which I think everyone's on board with. Um, you know, everyone who accepts the basic science is on board with, but, um, but the idea of saying it with a bracha, with God's name, which generally they're, you know, pretty high stakes. We don't believe in saying God's name in vain. So should one do it in this case or not? So Rav Shlomo Aviner a couple of weeks ago had uh, published a piece where he has a, he pointed to a bunch of reasons why one might doubt the value of, or doubt the, 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 that it's ideal to say God's name. So he has a few arguments. One is, it's a medical procedure. What, what precedent do we have for medical procedures? So he says, uh, We actually have other blessings that are a precedent for medical procedures. One is Baruch blessed is the healer of the sick, similar to the Bracha and Shwan Esrei. Um, and he says, Rav Kook said, uh, Rav Kook, the important uh, Israeli uh, rabbi, um, who certainly Rav Aminer, Aminer sees as, as uh, um, you know, maybe his, his main teacher in a bunch of ways, or you know, a teacher's teacher, um, uh, so he said one should say this, Baruch Rofei Cholim, and if you had a real surgery that involved bleeding, then If you have a surgery, you should say this bracha with God's name. That's the bracha to say, not uh, not a bracha of uh, of Hatov Ametiv or Shechianu. That just, or he doesn't even talk about Hatov Ametiv. He just talks about Shechianu. But it would, the logic would be the same either way. So he thinks that that's one reason that one wouldn't say Shechianu because one should instead be saying Baruch Rofei Cholim. Although Baruch Rofei wouldn't really apply here because one isn't getting healed, one is getting vaccinated. That's a different, one's getting inoculated against the future potential danger. So you wouldn't say this Baruch Rofei but since in general, in medical issues, one says Baruch Rofei but not Shechianu, maybe that's a reason not to say Shechianu here. Um, Rav uh, Avram Stav, who's uh, also an Israeli rabbi, I was in I was in yeshiva with him. So he, he had a sort of response essay where he pushed back on some of Rav Aviner's points, um, and he says, um, right, he makes the point that, that we sort of said, that, that you know, uh, these, the bracha of Rofei Cholim is someone who gets healed, not someone who gets inoculated. So that actually wouldn't make sense. Um, and he points out that given that you're not saying this other bracha, that would be, that would be reason to say Shechianu, meaning he, he's, he sort of implies the only reason why one doesn't say Shechianu when having surgery is because instead one's saying Baruch Rofei Cholim, that sort of it replaces the Shechianu. But if for whatever reason you're not saying Baruch Rofei Cholim, for example, it's not healing you, it's inoculating you, then you should say uh, a bracha of Shechianu. So that, that was his pushback on that point. Another possible objection is that, uh, of course, as we just mentioned, it's only, it's only an inoculation. You're not actually healing someone, you're preventing them from getting sick. And Aviner notes, throughout history, there have been many different vaccines that have been developed, you know, I guess, especially in recent history. And he says, um, right, Thank God, this is not the first time there's a vaccine to stop a plague. For example, the influenza vaccine, right, 100 years ago, that, uh, um, I don't actually, I actually don't know when they, exactly they developed it, but it did, at whatever point it was developed, 
it did limit that disease. And of course, it's still still used today. Um, but he says, uh, they're all different treatments. We never saw um, our rabbi say to say a on a vaccine. So, you know, maybe that's why. So maybe there's no, there's no reason to say it now, given the precedent that it wasn't, there was no bracha on vaccines previously. And Rav responds, well, there's a difference between the vaccine you take every year, let's say your flu shot or your measles vaccine or whatever it is, and this case. Because in this case, right, your measles vaccine, you sort of don't think about it. You go to the doctor, you get the shot. It doesn't affect your life in the way that you can see because you sort of take it for granted. Whereas in this case, the COVID vaccine, um, for many people, uh, they're, you know, they're living their lives extremely different the last 10 months than the rest that, than usual. And getting the vaccine allows them uh, to a large degree to get back to normal. So that is, uh, right, that this frees someone from the heavy limitations that were placed on him. That would be a reason to say a shechianu different than a usual vaccine. And you know, I don't know what he would say. Presumably, um, you know, if there were a vaccine in the middle of a pandemic in the past to stop the pandemic immediately, one should get that too. But maybe that's not how, how things developed. Uh, I, I would guess that uh, vaccines came later after many years, after the, you know, after the, and not in a way that directly affected people's behavior the way that this would. Um, that allow you to get back to normal right away. So that's a second objection and a potential parry. A third objection is that resolving a bad situation. Do you say a, a bracha, do you say shechayana when it's not that something good happened, it's that something bad was prevented from happening. So Rav Avinar says, <speaking in Hebrew> If you go He says, we don't generally say a bracha on something good that happened when the only thing that good that happened is that it's the end of a bad situation. For example, leaving jail, right? There's nothing inherently good about leaving jail. The good thing is that you're not in jail anymore. It's, it's ending something bad or receiving a get, which is ending uh, presumably a bad, a bad marriage. So you don't say a bracha on those things because it's not, it's not a positive, it's removing a negative. And he quotes Rav Zilberstein, uh, important Haredi Posig in Israel, who says this, um, we can, uh, this argument could be, uh, can be seen, uh, well, yeah, before we get to that, actually, let's jump to the response from Rav Stav, who says that, um, he says that actually Rav Zilberstein says that, but his, his brother-in-law, Rechaim Kanievsky, disagrees, a different uh, Haredi Posig also says, he actually says that one should say a bracha on leaving jail or on receiving a get. One should say a shechiano on that because it doesn't matter that it's ending a bad situation. It's still, one's happy. It's a good thing that happened. One should say a shechiano. So there's a debate among contemporary poskim. But uh, I think as Ray Linzer pointed out, this actually can be seen as a, a dispute among earlier poskim. Think about, think about the Shulchan Aruch we saw before, right? There's a drought and then it rains. So how would you describe that situation? Right, it sounds like, it's, it sounds like a drought and then it rains is ending a bad situation, right? It's not like something good per se. It's sort of, you're returning to baseline. You're every year you assume there's you know enough rain to su sustain the crops. That's the whole reason why you planted the crop. If there wasn't rain, a bad thing happened. There's a drought, and then the drought ended. So that should be the same as as this, as ending something bad. And yet the Shulchan Aruch and the Gemara says you say a bracha. So that should be so. So apparently uh, you do say a bracha. You do say a shechianu on ending something bad. That that would be a straightforward reading of the Shulchan Aruch. But the Aruch Hashulchan has a different reading. He says Yarzigashamim Rabim. That, that piece in the Rambam or the Shulchan Aruch uh, that quotes the Rambam is Then you say a bracha. He says, you, you actually, if, if it's a drought and you don't have any rain and you're in bad shape and then it rains, the normal amount that it rains, you actually don't say a bracha, according to the Aruch Only if the rain is greater than the normal year. Then there's something extra, there's some extra blessing. Then you say Shechianu. But if the whole rain, all the rain does is it restores you to, you know, sort of the default setting to what you expected to begin with, a normal year's rain, that's not a reason for a Shechianu. So it seems like the Archa Shulchan would accept this objection of Rav Avinir that, um, that uh, you wouldn't say a, a Shechianu on a vaccine because you're just stopping something bad. Whereas the straightforward reading of the Shulchan Aruch would say that you do. Of course, it's no different than rain uh, ending a drought. So that's another, another case where there's a dispute as to whether one should say a bracha or not. Now, another issue is the potential negative outcome, possible side effects. Well, we'll get to side effects in a, in a bit, but at least, you know, let's say long-term risks. And uh, of course, this is something that, 
as far as scientists can tell, there's no major long-term risks, but there's obviously been no study for longer than 10 months done on the vaccine or maybe 11 months, whatever it is. There's just not enough time. So in theory, there's no reason to think this, but theoretically there could be um, some, uh, uh, some, some longer term downside that Rav Rimon is actually worried about. He says, there's some downside as to something, something might happen from it. Again, I, I, don't, I, I don't know if, there, if uh, I would say that seems a bit overstated, but um, he makes, he, he, so then, then the question is, let's assume that were the case, Well, let's assume there were some long-term negative, negative uh, potential uh, downsides, which again, I don't think is, is, is a, a fair assumption, but if one were to say that, what, what should you do then? Does that, does that stop you from saying your, um, does it, would that stop you from saying Shekhyanu? So he says, he says, well, you might think about this Shulchan Aruch, source number 18, where we say, Mes Aviv Mevarech Dynamis. If, if one's father dies, one says, Baruch Dynamis, blessed is the true judge. Hailo Mamon Yarshu, if you inherit money, Im Eino Achim Mevarech Gamkin Shekhyanu. If you don't have siblings, you say Shekhyanu because, uh, you know, assuming it's a significant thing, it's a windfall. Um, right, you're, you're just like if you would uh, win the lottery, um, you know, there's the, in terms of your financial situation, you're in better shapes. So that's the reason to say Shekhyanu. Because you're sharing in the good. So it seems like we have a, a precedent for even if something bad is happening, the fact that something else good is happening is still reason to say a Shekhyanu or Hatov Ametiv. So he says, no, that's different. In the case of one's father dying, there's the downside. It's clearly bad that one's father died, obviously. And it's clearly good that one inherited the money. Those are two separable things that are clearly good and clearly bad. You don't know, again, assuming there's a real risk, which doesn't seem warranted on, on a medical level. But if one were to say that, um, there's, there is a, it seems to be good, but you never know. It may actually turn out in retrospect that the vaccine was bad and the big picture. So that's why he was, he's worried about not saying it again. I think the main objections, the main objection to this view is the science that there's no real risk, but there's another objection one could suggest um, based on source number 19. Again, a similar place in the Shulchan Aruch, talking about when one says, mm-hmm. You say even if you're worried about a certain risk, it's explicit in the Shulchan Aruch, even if you're worried that there'll be some risk from what you're doing, um, that it won't work out, you still say Shekhyanu or, or Atov depending on the case, if it seems like it's good. If you know your basic assumption is, I'm doing this, this seems like it's really good news, I should say Shekhyanu. And his examples are, right? you find some, I don't know, you find uh, uh, whatever, you find a lot of money lying around, you find a diamond lying around, that seems to be good news. But if the king finds out and puts you in jail or takes all your money, then that's really bad news, right? So you don't know actually if finding the diamond was good or bad. But your uh, your default assumption is it's good, and you say a shachianu or a tov So it seems that would seem to uh, to undermine Rav Rimon's argument, uh, not only on the science but also on on the halacha as well. Um, fine. Moving on to another possible objection. This Rav Asher Weiss, uh, an important posek in Israel, um, who uh, recently published an article, lengthy article, mostly about the next the issue number six, which we're going to get to in a second. But one of his points is that. Painful experiences. It's not clear if you say a shechianu on painful experiences. As he says, um, in, in certain cases, and certainly, and that's true even by certain cases that are a mitzvah to say the bracha. Certainly in a case where it's an option, right? There's no, it's not like there's, a, it's not like, a, right, let, let's say there, there's, as was mentioned before, shechianu exists in optional and mandatory form, right? Sometimes it's like on a holiday where it's a chiv, it's an obligation to say it, not just that one has an experience, it's sort of a, a situational optional thing. So certainly, uh, if even in some cases of obligation, one doesn't say Shekhyanu if it's painful. It's painful to get a, a, a vaccination. They stab you in the arm. Your arm is sore potentially for a couple of days. You may get uh, some headaches or fevers that response to your immune system. It's a good thing, but it's, it's, not, it's not fun. It's painful. So that, he says, is a reason not to say the Shekhyanu because of the painful experience there. Um, and, and then he also talks about the, the, the Shulchan Aruch we saw about inheriting. Right, your father dies. 
you inherit money. You still say a shechianu. It's obviously painful that your father died. No, that's not relevant. The shani hasam, the mevarich al shnei yanim in the front. Those are two separate things. Obviously, one triggered the other, but they're two separate experiences you have. So that wouldn't be relevant to this, where the shot itself, uh, the shot itself causes both pain and long-term uh, positives. Um, fine. And and Ray says even though at a bris we say a shechianu, that's because it's an obligation. But that, in a case where it's an option. One wouldn't say Shechianu. So that's what Rashi Weiss is. He's, that's his main objection. And on this basis, well, in com- combination with the next one, he's actually opposed to saying a bracha along with Rav Aviner based on this argument. Let's look at the next argument. Oh, this uh, another another small smaller issue before we get to the larger issue of number seven, that it's not a new item. Rashi Weiss points out, Usually, remember what our cases are, right? Like a new house, new clothing, that sort of thing. Um, a new fruit, that's in the Shulchan Aruch here, in the Source 22, um, or new wine. Usually you say a bracha on a new thing that you now see. So, but not on good news. So is the vaccine a new thing? Is it, is, are you excited about the vaccine itself? You see the vial, now you're excited? Or is it not the, the item of the vaccine, but it's sort of the broader news that now you and others are going to be safer? See, so that's another objection, potentially. And... Um, he's especially drawing on a line in the Mishnah Bura that he cites and, and included here in source 23. Uh, Today we minimize saying brachos of hatov of or shechianu on shmuos tovos, on good news, right? Even though the, the Shulchan Aruch says that you do say shechianu on good news, right? That was in the Gemara too. When you hear good news, you say shechianu, um, even if it's not one of the classic examples of you know new clothes, new fruit, whatever. But he says we've minimized that. Our minug, our practice, is to minimize that. We're going to see that in a minute, and um, and that's why one should stay away from it in this case, especially because it's not one of the classical examples. So it's painful. It's not a classical example because it's not a new thing. It's a more of a, a, a more news than a thing, and this feeds into to, uh, to what I call uh, brachophobia, um, which is I guess a, a broader generalization of of that that last point that there's been a trend among at least some postgame to sort of move away from brachos, move away from saying certain brachos out of fear for saying God's name in vain. You don't want to say God's name in vain, that's bad. So, you know, when in doubt, do without. And uh, even if, you know, you look in the Gemara, you look in the Shulchan Aruch, it sounds like there's real, like uh, the idea is, you know, when you're sufficiently happy about some scenario, you should say a bracha or some good news happens, you should say a shechian or a tov ametiv. There seems to be a move away from that because of greater fears of um, of uh, bracha v'atal. So let's see. This actually starts in uh, it starts uh, it starts in the Ramah already. So let's look at this source twenty four Shulchan Aruch again the same context Reish Kaf Gimel Yalda Ishto Zachar Mivarich Atov Ametiv Vigam Hitzricha Levarich Kain. If uh, if a woman has a ba- a baby boy and uh, then there's a Hatov Ametiv right uh, for the the wonderful news that are good for multiple people for the whole family. Both the, the husband, the mother and the father, or I guess, yeah, the mother and the father say in such a case. What about a girl? There's uh, not in the Shulchan Aruch, but there's a whole halach literature. It seems to be that one can say a bracha on a girl as well, um, whether it's hatova metiv or shechianu, but that's not our topic for now. The Ramah says, Even if, one, if one's wife dies in childbirth, the husband says shechianu. It's only good for you, not good for her, because you're the only parent of the child, uh, and the same if the father dies, fine. But then the Ramah says as follows, Some have written that we should we should be lenient in this bracha, meaning we should minimize saying this bracha. It's just an option. It's not an obligation. It's not One doesn't have to say the bracha, but one sort of a nice thing one should do. And uh, it's an option. It's a good option. But since it's not ob- obligatory, people should avoid it. Uh, that's been a practice. Many people are lenient with these brachas not to say them, which I'm guessing, um, you know, this is not, I'm guessing people have heard of saying a, a shechianu on holidays, but probably haven't heard of saying a shechianu or saying a hatova metiv on having children. It just seems to be less, less practiced nowadays, presumably because of this Ramah and, and similar views of minimizing uh, brachos for fear of saying God's name in vain. So um, this objection was raised both, as we saw, in some form by Rav Asher Weiss, also by Rav Aviner, um, although with a bit of a twist, says Masha Nagu Nagu. What they did, they did. What they practiced, they practiced. He quotes the, the Chsam Sofer, early 19th century, who wrote about Shech Yanu, Hecha de lo nahig, lo nahig, where it's not practiced, it's not practiced. Hecha de nahig nahig, the arich, and where it is practiced, it's practiced and good. 
I'm not worried about saying a brach I'm not really worried about saying God's name in vain. You should just do what's practiced normally, do the normal minhag. And of course, you can take this in, in one of two directions. Uh, Rav Aviner says, um, it seems like here, there's, it's not, uh, you know, uh, there've been many different, uh, different uh, solutions, as was mentioned, different vaccinations, and we don't have a bracha. So it seems like the default is not to make the bracha. Um, whereas Rav, and uh, included here, Rav Stav pushed back and said, wait, let's focus on the other part of what the Chsam Sofer said, which is chshash bracha There's no real worry about saying a blessing in vain. There's no real, you, you can't really mess up. What are you doing wrong? If you say an extra bracha and you're actually happy, you didn't do anything wrong. Um, so that, that was his reason to go in the opposite direction. Um, Rabbi Yossi Levine of the Jewish Center in New York in that JTA article said there's an argument about whether to say the bracha on COVID, on the COVID vaccine. Um, obviously, we should be very happy about it. But he says, we typically adopt a minimalist approach to brachot. Maybe that would be the more charitable way of putting it. A minimal, minimalist approach to brachot rather than brachophobia. We tend to follow precedent. We might say the list of occasions that call for a bracha is fixed. As such, from the perspective of Jewish law, the best practice would be to recite the bracha while omitting the name of God. Right? This is the this is the minimizing risk of you. And we'll get to some of those in just a second. If you don't say God's name, you can't say God's name in vain. Right? That's a good, a good solution. It's a fail-safe. If you never say God's name, you're never going to say it in vain. Of course, on the other side, there's a risk of uh, not appreciating God sufficiently if you're not willing to invoke God's name directly in the thanks. But that is this is a, a significant pushback. I think anyone who comes out against saying the bracha, like Rabbi Levine or Rav Asher Weiss or Rav Aviner, this is probably the main force. You may have other additional reasons to, to doubt whether this is a, there's cause for it or not. But at the end of the day, I think the main force behind it is this uh, minimalist approach to brachot, uh, also known as brachophobia. That's, that lies behind it. Okay, there's a few different ways of hedging one's bet. We just saw Rabbi Levine. One way, a very easy way, is just not to say God's name. Say, Baruch HaTov HaMetiv, instead of Baruch HaTov You've hedged your bet. Rav Aviner has a different hedge. Beget Opri Chadash. Have a new fruit or new clothes, right? Wear a new shirt while you get your vaccination and then say your, you say your Shechianu on the shirt because that, the shirt is on our canonized list of, of things that you say a bracha on. So that would be a solution or a new fruit. That's one hedge. Uh, Rav, Rav Usher Weiss said similarly, a similar hedge to have your fruit or whatnot. Uh, Rav Avram Stav had a, a, a variation on this I thought was very interesting, which is he said, if you're worried, you know, he himself gave a lot of reasons why there, you know, there may be a basis, a good basis for saying Shechianu. But he said, if you're worried about these objections, um, what one should do is say the Shechianu after their vaccination when they first see their friend. Because there's, the Gemara also talks about if you see a friend who you haven't seen in person in a while, um, you say a Shechianu. We discussed this a couple of weeks ago in a class. So, um, so wait until then and say your Shechianu. And then your Shechianu is going not only on seeing your friend, but also on the fact that now you're seeing your friends in person because you got vaccinated. So that would be, uh, in his view, that's another hedge. So you're not saying, so you're saying it on the broader phenomenon of the vaccination and seeing your friend without the worries that on the vaccination itself, it would be a problem. Um, Rav, uh, Rav Rimon, so he actually wrote two different versions. The first, the first piece was sort of sent out informally is in source 30. And then the, the published piece, which I, I only saw this morning came out later is in source 31. So we'll take a look at a couple of points he raised. Um, he said that, you know, he, he in his position, he sort of pointed to some objections one might have. And he says, um, better, better to if you're going to say a bracha. Better to say the bracha when you hear that the vaccine is around, that the vaccine is, you know, is available. Maybe available to you, maybe available in your country, whatever it is, because then you're happy, and that's a reason to uh, to say the bracha. Even if even if you shouldn't say the bracha on getting the vaccination, probably hearing good news of this sort is reason to say the bracha. Of course, this is exactly what Rav Asher Weiss objected objected to. This idea of Shmuel's Tovos based on the, the Ramah that we, uh, based on the Mishabur that we saw, that we minimize Shmuel's Tovos. But Rav Ramon here in this first suggestion said that maybe it's better to say it on hearing the news. In source 31, he writes, um, he thinks there's good reason to say Tovamitiv, but he's a little worried about some of the objections. Um, and maybe it's it's not really uh, fine. It's, and, and therefore he says, Right, remembering what he said before. Usually you say a tova on a new item that you get, a new product, a new thing. And it's not clear, you know, it's not clear what exactly the thing is. Are you happy about the vaccination? Are you happy about the change in lifestyle now? So therefore it's better to say shechianu because you can always say shechianu when you're happy. And if you're happy, if you're happy and you know it, as the Jewish saying goes, 
Seishach uh, Yanu, as, as we sing to our, our, our uh, to little kids all the time. Um, so that's, that's, uh, that's Rav Ramon's point, is that a hedge is to not say a tova because then you're sort of, a tova is only on a good item. And you're not so sure about this item's goodness, maybe because of doubts about the medicine, although that seems dubious, more likely just because are you happy about the vaccination? Or are you happy about the return to a normal lifestyle? And for that reason, say a Sheikh Yanu, which is based on being happy and you're all safe. Let's quickly look at a few alternative options people have raised. Some have raised the option of saying Hagomel, which is usually said after one, let's say, uh, is in danger and then is saved from danger. Uh, Rabbi Dov Linzer of YCT says that doesn't really make so much sense um, because you never really were in danger. I mean, number one, it's not one of the classic, four classic cases, being in jail, overseas, et cetera. But he says more to the point, you, know, you don't have COVID. You're not, you weren't in danger. It's like, um, you know, it's, uh, there's, there's a joke people like to tell. If you hung up your, uh, your pants on a clothesline and then there was a tornado and, and swept your pants away and now, and they're gone, but you were safe. You were holed up in your bunker, totally fine. So you just say a gomel because you might've been in your pants, right? That's not how, uh, that, that's not how a gomel works, right? Um, so that, that's basically the objection here that you weren't actually in danger, right? I mean, maybe if you were in danger, if you actually were, I don't know, working in a hospital, then maybe, right, Lynch says, maybe then it would be different. I'm not even sure about that. If you never contracted the disease, it's hard to say that you got better from the disease because you didn't. So that's, the Hagomel seems that there's no good reason to say Hagomel, but uh, other other brachas are, other other things, non-brachas are possible, especially for the views that say you shouldn't say a bracha. Um, so there's a Yehiratzon, the Gemara talks about a Yehiratzon prayer to say upon getting a medical procedure. It's actually talking about hakazas dam, bloodletting, which uh, we don't do so much nowadays, but the principle is the same. So, um, one who goes in for a procedure of bloodletting, Omer, he says as follows, Here it's all from the Hashem Elkai, may it be uh, your will, Hashem my God, this procedure should be uh, for, for good health and it should heal me, because you are a, 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 true, uh, a true healer and your healing is truth. Um, and, uh, and then, and then they, they add, you should also say Baruch Rofei Chinam. After the practice, you should also say, uh, uh, blessed is the free healer, or maybe the, the Shulchan Aruch has Baruch Rofei Cholim, blessed is the, uh, the healer of the sick. Whatever it is, there's some version of what to say. What I saw some people sending this around. Um, that version of the bracha is what one should say. So that's that's an alternative. Again, if you're not going to say a not a bracha, the hiratzon. If you're not going to say a bracha, hiratzon is a is a decent alternative. There's no since it's not uh, in the formula of a bracha, you can't really violate uh, the prohibition of saying God's name in vain, even if it was wrong. So that again is is uh, limits your exposure, so to speak. Um, although it's it's a vaccination, so it's actually all about exposure. But that's a different issue. Um, Rosh Shmuel Eliyahu, a rabbi in Israel, had uh, formulated a slightly different hiratzon. Everyone should be feel feel free to read it on their own time or a mod as a modim. Thank you and the hiratzon, and please heal the sick, etc. Again, without a bracha. That's an alternative. And then other people have suggested other alternatives, or right? Linzer said maybe you should say nishmat, which we saw in the Shulchan Aruch mentioned, right? This idea of God, all the good that God does in the world. Rav Rimon says, um, you might as well say something like mizmor lesoda, or mizmor shakonach david, or nishmat, or nishmas as well. Something praising God. It's, it, there's no downside in saying, um, you know, a parak of Tehillim that praises God for, for the natural order, etc. What about timing? We're getting out to some of the some of the issues that Jason raised before. Uh, at the shot or not? Do you do it while you're getting the shot or not? There's a few potential times one might do it when the vaccine is being distributed, once it's already sort of kicked in, or when the person receives it themselves. We're not going to have time to delve into this in full detail, but there's two factors. One is when is one happy? Presumably one's happiest when they get the shot. That's usually how people work, but that's a little bit subjective. The other factor is what qualifies. So generally, as we said before, um, with the rain case, right? If, if it rains and you don't have a field, you don't say Shechianu or Atova Metiv. You say this other special bracha on rain, but you don't say Shechianu or Atova Metiv. Why? Because you only say Shechianu or Atova Metiv if it affects you directly. So that would seem to be, that would seem to indicate that here, if you get, if it's not around you, something about your experience getting the shot, but like, you know, once herd immunity is reached, that doesn't, that's not a physical item that affects you. So you wouldn't say a bracha on that. You can be very happy. And according to, maybe according to Rav Rimon, you'd say Shechianu. Um, but certainly if you want to say hatova metiv, it would seem that you should only say it on, on, on it when it affects you directly, which would be at the time of getting the shot. Um, fine. And right. And the, the, the Bira Lacha spells this out a bit. If your good friend who's a tzaddik has a baby, should you say a, uh, should you say a Shechianu or not, or hatova metiv, 
Sefer Hasidim, the mystical uh, German text of the 13th century, says that you should, but mainstream psak is that you should not because it doesn't affect you directly, so you don't say a tova meitiv. So it seems like both on the factor of when you're happiest and on the factor of affecting you directly, the best time to do it is when you get the shot, although there may be a little wiggle room there. We're not going to go into all those details. What about the first shot or the second shot? As, as Jason said, one doesn't become fully immune immediately. You actually don't become immune at all immediately, right? Uh, your body has to fight it off. Um, and there's and there's two shots, right? You get like 80% uh, immunity after one shot and then like 95 after the other, something like that. Um, so how does this work? And um, uh, so we can look at uh, at the source here, right? The Gemara talks about as we saw this before, um, you say the bracha, once the rain hits the ground, the way the Gemara calls when the bride meets the groom, which is interpreted by the Rambam as meaning when the bubbles on the ground from the rain start uh, meeting one another. There's a lot of air bubbles, meaning there's a lot of rain on the ground. Um, presumably that's like a, uh, a uh, fertility metaphor, right? When the chasen meets the kala, like the earth starts getting uh, getting uh, the rain in it. In any event, what the way this works is it's when the ground starts getting the rain, right? Obviously, when it's when when there when the rain hits the ground and you know the bubbles start coming up, your land is still not able to grow the plants. It, it's going to take it's going to take a little while before the water kicks in and hits the roots and then it starts growing. You don't have your result immediately, but the point is it's the beginning of the process. So Eric Linzer points out, based on this, you say the bracha at the beginning of the process, which is when you get the shot, the first shot, that's the beginning of the process. Yes, it'll take a couple weeks to kick in. Yes, there's a second shot down the line, but you're embarking on this process of getting better and, and you know, you've accomplished a lot of it already. Um, so that's the time to do it. So um, that is that is uh, the content here. Just a quick conclusion, a summary of some of the main views that we saw. Um, right, Dov Linzer in his essay argues for saying Atova Meitu, that's his main view. And a uh, reversal Schechter um, uh, uh, verbally, uh, uh, also endorsed that, and he did it himself. He got he got his inoculation about a week ago, and uh, said hatov Um So that that is uh, one major view. Rav Rimon prefers. He says you maybe could say hatov but preferable is to say shechianu for the reasons he mentioned that he's worried about the physical experience, um, uh, not being about the physical thing. It's more about your happiness, so that it's safer to say shechianu. Rav Avram Stav says you can say shechianu, but it's preferable to have a hedge. And say it later when you see your friend. Rav Shlomo Avinir and Rav Asher Weiss say not to say a bracha. And then others, uh, Rav Mordechai Willig, Rav Mordechai Eliyahu, uh, suggest saying a Yehiratzon instead of a bracha. So that's sort of, you know, that's not against what Rav Asher Weiss and others said. And of course, everyone says you can say Tehillim and Nishmas and all sorts of other things. But those are some of the concluding views. It's not my role uh, to, uh, the, my goal in this year to tell people what to do. I, there certainly are uh, our, uh, major authorities uh, on, on uh, all the different sides of this. So uh, I guess um, uh, figure out however you decide your, your halachic questions. There's what to look into here. And, uh, but the most important thing is, is that to everyone decides on this technical issue, I think that the theological issue is maybe most important, that, this, that, that appreciation for God is, is a, central, uh, a central part of, of this experience. Um, and uh, the, the fact that we're, that we're hopefully at a point where we're moving beyond this challenge at challenging time towards a happier future uh, is, is cause for reaching out to God in thanks. And uh, I know we didn't have many questions. We're, we're at the hour, but happy to take questions and, and uh, discussion now um, uh, as we, as we uh, enter our, our hopefully, hopefully a year full of brachos, both on COVID, if you make it, and on COVID vaccine, I should say, if you make it, and, uh, and more broadly. Um, so I see John put a question in the chat. Would someone like Rostov say that a bracha in an uncontroversial case is obligatory and not optional. So generally, um, generally, it's hard to say this is obligatory. As, as Rav Usher Weiss pointed out, this bracha is when was one has an experience of a, of a certain sort. You know, he goes through a lot of details on this. We didn't have time to get into it, but the the standard view is that it's optional. It's an optional bracha, and that's you know, once you say it's optional, then then uh, you know, people say, well, it's optional to say the bracha, and there's a risk of bracha vatala. So then then uh, you know, it's like an arms race a little bit, right? So the uh, the bracha vatala side wins out. Um, but I don't think we don't, there are some views that it's obligatory, but we don't, we don't seem to paskin like them. We don't seem to rule like them in terms of the consensus. So no, I don't think Rav Stav says it's obligatory. And again, that's why he's, you know, he's like, well, wait a couple of weeks when you see your friend, then that's a good time. He's sort of trying to, to hedge the bet here. Um, other questions or Jason, did I respond to your, to your uh, issues that you raised I, at the beginning? 
Um, yeah, I was just wondering, like, like what it like for petite people who have like a very low probability of dying from COVID. Like, do any of the post scheme address that? Like, I know, like, so for a fifty or sixty year old, like, it seems as if like the risks of dying of COVID are so high that it it's completely nonsense to to like like the unknown is better than like almost like 20% death. So like, well, yeah. so without getting into the, the details of what percent, you know, leaving that aside, I think, I think you're, you're raising an important question of, of subjective, both subjective, the subjective factor of how high one's risk is. So it's like a, you know, variable by person, but objectively there's a certain risk and there's a subjective factor of how one feels about it. So I think everyone would say that the subjective factor is important here. Um, so I would say if someone is not a high risk, right? So let's say someone's young and healthy and, you know, they can get sick, but it's extremely unlikely that they'd die and, you know, and, and they've been living their life basically the same. So they're not experiencing a change in lifestyle when that happens. There are people doing that. I think it's a terrible idea and uh, immoral because you're hurting other people, but fine. If someone's doing that, um, then there's, there would seem to be no reason to say, to say any bracha, right? Because, you know, your risk, your risk hasn't really changed. Your lifestyle hasn't really, there's nothing to be happy about. Um, so, um, so, so I mean, maybe you should be happy that you're not endangering other people's lives. Maybe that's a good reason, but that's not, that's not usually how these brachas work. But I, I'd say for someone who's, who's, let's say not in a high risk category, but they're going to change their lifestyle in a significant way. Like they'll be able to, I don't know, do things in person, which I think is many of us or do more things in person or see their, like see their elderly relatives in person. Um, all of these, uh, I'm not, I'm not saying you should do that. You should ask your doctor before you do that. Um, but um, if, if it's going to change your, your, your lifestyle and that makes you happy, then you certainly should say Shechianu. If it's not making you happy, then it's hard to say a bracha, right? I mean, if you're not, if you're not actually happy about it, then that, you wouldn't really have the trigger uh, for the bracha. That's a general rule about Shechianus. So I'd say that the subjective factor is important here. Um, mostly, you know, the main factor being, do you feel happy? And uh, the objective factor sort of, you know, takes the backseat to that in some ways, although it's somewhat relevant as well. Um, if someone took the vaccine illegally, can they still say the bracha? Wow. Um, so there's this interesting Gemara in Sanhedrin that talks about, um, was it Ganav Esapida, whatever. Someone, if someone steals bread and, and says a bracha, the Gemara says, that's not blessing, that's cursing. You shouldn't do that. That's a terrible thing. Um, and, uh, and it quotes the Pasuk, a, the way it interprets it there, a uh, a stealer, a, a robber, blessed and thereby cursed God, right? Sometimes blessing is cursing. Implicating God in your robbery scheme is bad. So I would say certainly someone who took, who willingly, willfully took the vaccine illegally, stole it from someone, obtained it through fraudulent means, cut the line uh, illegally, realizing it was wrong, there's good reason to say that they they shouldn't say the bracha with the caveat that that Gemara is talking about and you're saying the bracha on the food itself. Here, are you saying the bracha on the vaccine itself or on your happiness? And that might depend if it's hatova metiv or shechianu, right? Shechianu might be on your happiness detached from the item. Hatova metiv may be on the item. So maybe you shouldn't say hatova metiv on uh, uh, ill-gotten gains. I don't know of any cases. Uh, I mean, I know there was, there was a case where the clinic got it fraudulently. So maybe the head of the clinic who got inoculated uh, shouldn't have said a bracha. I, I doubt he did. Um, but uh, I don't know of any cases of people willfully cutting the line and hopefully no one should. I think. Uh, all, all responsible post have weighed in and have said people shouldn't. Um, if you do it by accident, th there's no question, right? Because you already said the bracha, so it's too late. But um, um, uh, but uh, yeah, so I, I would say, I, I, this is not, uh, I'd say based on that Gemara and Sanhedrin, there's good reason to question whether one should say a bracha if they're doing it illegally. The same way that, right, uh, we, we mentioned if one if one inherits a large sum of money, one says a hatov ametiv or a shechianu, if one steals a large sum of money, Presumably, one wouldn't say "shechianu," uh, but on on their on their new newfound uh, financial uh, financial situation, right? That would seem to be wrong, because uh, stealing is wrong, and and so you don't do it. So that I think that that sounds reasonable. Although I didn't look into this issue, it's a, it's a good question I didn't uh, look into. Um, but yeah, hopefully, the, if if uh, if someone asks you, "I'm about to take the vaccine illegally," should I say a bracha or not? The proper response is, "Don't take the vaccine illegally." So okay, any other questions or thoughts? Okay, well, then I think Michael may have uh, an announcement or two. But before that, I just wanted to thank everyone for learning together and, and hope everyone has a year full of blessing.
Thank you so much, Rabbi Zakir, for this really, really thorough and, and fun and fascinating look at, at all of the uh, material, both that, that goes into this from, from older sources, as well as giving a, a really nice overview of some of the contemporary real-time halakhic discussions that are happening around this issue. Um, for folks who are interested in some of our upcoming programs, we are currently in the middle of our Winter's Mind, Not by Bread Alone, Jewish Perspectives on Food. This past week, we have had a number of different sessions, both a morning Gemara Shir, as well as afternoon classes and an evening lecture series. We are going to be continuing that through the next week. We have a Yomi Yun on Sunday about food ethics. We have three different shearing, one with Dr. Jonathan Crane on Baal Tashrit, the commitment not to uh, waste resources. We have one with Rabbi Aviva Richman on the ethics of meat eating. And we have one with uh, own Rabbi David Silver on uh, the man, on, on manna and its significance for thinking through food ethics. We're gonna be uh, following that throughout the week with a continued series of, of shirim on the sixth parak of, of Brachot, thinking about uh, what blessings one would make for, uh, for you know, food or, or the consumption or benefit of different objects. We've got afternoon sessions as well. We have an evening series on hunger. Um, so you can find information. I'm gonna post uh, some, some links, but we've got um, information for the Yomi Yun can be found uh, at that link that I just posted. And in addition to that, I'm going to post another link for uh, our, our winter's month as a whole for folks who want to. Actually, I'll just post, you know, you can find information on all of the different component pieces of winter's monitrisha.org slash classes. You can choose to sign up for an entire week's worth of programming. You can choose individual classes depending on your schedule but it's been really wonderful so far. I'd encourage folks to check out some of what we have and a lot of that will also be streaming on Facebook Live for folks who prefer to follow us there. Um, and stay tuned, we will hopefully very shortly have information coming out about the rest of our spring classes that will be starting up uh, you know, a little further down the road, but things that will be uh, longer term sessions, uh, you know, weekly, weekly shearing. So uh, please stay tuned for that. But, uh, a happy, healthy start to 2021 for everyone. And, and thank you again for uh, leading us into the new year with some Torah, Rabbi Zakir. Be well, everyone. <laughs>